going on, Football MD fam? Welcome back to episode 38 of the Football MD podcast. I know the fantasy football. Holy shit, 38 episodes. I know, it's crazy, right? <laughs> we, just keep, we just keep pumping them on out. We know the fantasy season is over, but as promised, we are going to be sticking with you guys throughout the entire postseason, the offseason, all the way back up until next season, and so on. We are not leaving you guys at any point, so thank you again for tuning in. Hopefully your fantasy season's ended on a high note, but there's still a ton of awesome matchups for us to cover on this week's episode we're going to be covering all four of the wild card games for this coming weekend and before we get into that we have some news around the nfl that we're going to break down for you guys as well and the first bit of news we're going to cover for you guys today is the very hot topic of the steelers nation what's going on in-house there and antonio brown pretty much guys it seems like tomlin is losing the locker room multiple players are not getting along and there's been a divide between obviously their best player in the past decade, Antonio Brown. So from what I heard, these issues started in practice during the previous week and resulted in Antonio Brown throwing a football at Ben Roethlisberger, which is never a good move to throw a football at your franchise quarterback, the one that's supposed to throw the ball to you. But after that, he stated that he had an injury, he left practice, and and I think this whole situation was just handled very weird. Obviously, if Antonio Brown's saying that he has a knee injury, they also watched him storm off the field. So I don't know what it was reported as, how he ended up on the injury report, but I do think it was handled a little bit in a shady way by the Pittsburgh Steelers not reporting the injury correctly, which I doubt it was actually even an injury. An injury. Exactly. That's exactly how I feel. I feel like it was a cover-up, and then Tomlin has to back that it's an injury because the Steelers organization committed to that, and there are serious, strict guidelines via the NFL about the injury protocol, the injury report, all that. It has to be properly labeled, properly listed. So to save the entire organization... Once it was out there that there was an injury, I think they had to stand by that statement. Yeah, you definitely have to double down on it, protect your franchise. But then it was Antonio Brown. He showed up on Sunday and he wanted to play. And, you know, he hasn't been in practice. And the last time they heard from him, he was injured. So they held him out of the game. And since then, there's been a ton of rumors floating around. It really seems like Antonio Brown is just trolling the entire situation, conversing with other teams, other players on social media. So I'm not going to act like I know exactly what is going to happen, but it does seem like with the way that the Steelers have been moving and handling certain situations with certain players and within their organization, it seems like this is finally the time that we'll see Antonio Brown parting ways. And I think he'll end up on another team next season. I couldn't agree more. And actually, I think it really has to be done. Unfortunately, though, the entire situation with Le'Veon Bell, with Big Ben, with Antonio Brown does not surprise me, and it's because it starts at the top. I do think the majority of the blame has to fall with Mike Tomlin. I have heard too often about Tomlin being a player's coach, that he gets along with his players, that he's more of a friend to them than a coach. If that's the case, that's why you have such a loose grip on your players. Yes, it's worked for you in the past, and up until now, it really hasn't been too many large issues. But now, your star players are not getting along, and they feel they can do whatever they want. I can't possibly remember a starting caliber player standing on the sideline for a game, being in streetwear, and then also doubling down and leaving, not staying for the whole game. I've never heard of that before in my life. I can't can't imagine why he would possibly do that. I'm going to give him a little bit of the benefit of doubt and say he probably has some merit to his argument. I'm sure after multiple seasons in the NFL, he's not just going to cry for no reason. Although I disagree with the move, I do think it all starts up top with Tomlin. I don't see possibly how you can let it get this far with your players. Now, with that said, I really do believe he can't be in Pittsburgh 
next year. So that means they should be trading him. The only problem is his contract situation is very tough. If the Pittsburgh Steelers trade Antonio Brown, they will have an estimated 18 to 20 million in dead money. Obviously, that number isn't official because in the trade negotiations, contracts can be absolved, portions can be distributed in a different way. They can always work something out. But if that were the case, that is way too much money to be losing against your salary cap for a player that is not playing for your for your team. That's a huge problem, and that's going to make it very difficult to trade Antonio Brown because that means part of the negotiation is getting the other team to absolve some of that money and take on either some of the contract or find more creative ways to get that money to Antonio Brown that doesn't come against the cap. Definitely a pretty tricky situation there. We're going to avoid speculating where AB will land in the 2019 season. It's definitely a fun conversation, but we'll save that one for another day. Now I want to move over to some of the head coaching vacancies on teams such as the Cleveland Browns, Green Bay Packers, New York Jets, Denver Broncos, Cincinnati Bengals, Miami Dolphins, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and the Arizona Cardinals. A lot of head coach vacancies, and some of these are in pretty favorable situations. So which one of those, I know I kind of flew through them, which one do you think is the most favorable for a coach to kind of slide into and hit the ground running? In my personal opinion, it's got to be the Browns. They have a stud quarterback who's young and still learning the game and still going to improve and just and knows, over- and knows how to win yeah He's absolutely some clutch characteristics this season oh, absolutely don't forget that he has given the browns more wins than they've had in the past four years five years combined yeah so he's the best quarterback by far that they've had in over a decade just in general a very stacked young roster all over the defense and offensive side of the ball you got nick chubb antonio callaway Najoku. Jarvis Landry. Jarvis Landry. You also have on the defensive side of the ball, Peppers, Miles Garrett, Denzel Ward, just a ton of young talent, uh, Demarius Randall. So, yeah, they just have a ton, a ton, a ton of talent. Obviously, getting that talent would be very beneficial to the coach. All he'll have to worry about is where he's going to plug said talent into his scheme, how he's going to use them. Not really worried too much about acquiring talent that's that because that's an issue you know there's always risk in that and it's always a difficult part evaluating talent in the NFL and we talked shortly about this before we started the show today and you felt differently about the most ideal situation for a head coach I do although I certainly do believe that going over to the Cleveland Browns is a very favorable situation it's an organization that's already moving in the right direction as we saw this season compared to some of the other teams on this list that are moving in the opposite direction of favorable I'll say to keep it lightly I guess but I think the most favorable of all of these teams is the Green Bay Packers and that's simply because of Aaron Rodgers I know that Baker Mayfield, he's playing well. He has a very promising future in the NFL. I love him as a quarterback, but how many times do you get to take over a team with arguably the best quarterback of all time as your quarterback? So I think although the Browns, they are moving in the right direction, they still are a very young team. They have a lot of guys that need to develop and be able to prove that they can sustain the success that they showed this season. Whereas with Aaron Rodgers, we've already seen it year in and year out. I know this was a weird year, but the Packers also have a lot of young talent to build around on the defensive side of the ball. They have Martinez, they have Jair Alexander, Josh Jackson, and on the offensive side of the ball, there's a lot of up-and-coming pass catchers. We saw talent from Geronimo Allison this season, Equinemius St. Brown, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, even Jay Kumaro, who Aaron Rodgers is very fond of. And then in the run game, Aaron Jones, he emerged this season, and in his absence, Jamal Williams. 
Adams was more than capable as a starting running back. So I think there is a lot of upside. And of course, I left out Devontae Adams, who arguably top three wide receiver in the NFL right now. So I do think that there's a lot of room for the growth for the Packers in the coming seasons. And who else would you rather lead that than Aaron Rodgers? Definitely can't disagree with that argument. And before we move on, I'll just break down a couple of the situations for the other teams. The Jets head coaching position, a huge benefit to that head coaching position is $100 million estimated in cap space this offseason. And that just gives you a ton of wiggle room to acquire the talent that you want, build the team in the vision that you want to build a team you know that's the only problem with taking a team like the Browns or the Packers who are pretty much already in a given path they're setting a path they're already built in a scheme that benefits Aaron Rodgers and Baker Mayfield so with the Jets you more of have an open floor plan so to speak as for the Broncos and the Bengals they are two teams that are very similar they have head coaching positions and they fall right in the moderate moderate desirability because they both have some holes, but they also both have a couple of, you know, solidified positions that you really don't have to worry about. Both of teams, both the Bengals and the Broncos have Joe Mixon and Lindsey in place. You gotta say Andy Dalton is there for the Bengals. AJ Green, top tier wide receiver. Emmanuel Sanders, a very productive top tier wide receiver. I think Emmanuel Sanders might be done, unfortunately. He, He's he, he thirty two thirty two years old now, torn Achilles. That's that's really tough to come back from. I love Emmanuel Sanders as a player. He's yeah. especially for fantasy. He's always been one of the guys on my fantasy teams every year. But unfortunately, he might be on the way out now. But still, they have Colin Sutton, I Tim Patrick, yeah. young, um, a lot of young talent. Yeah, there. Hamilton. Yeah, and then obviously both of them have talent on the defensive side of the ball. Yep. Um, William Jackson for the Bengals is a top tier cornerback, and obviously on the Broncos you don't have to go much further than the defensive line. Von Miller, Bradley Chubb, you know. So, ton of talent on Chris those Harris teams. Jr. Yeah. yeah, ton of talent on on those two teams. Obviously, having some holes in place, you know, you still have some work ahead of you, but definitely not too bad. And then the last three are the Dolphins, the Bucks, and the Cardinals, and they're not very desirable. A lot of work to be done. And to me, what really makes these three coaching positions not too desirable is the quarterback position because you have a tough question ahead of you. You have Jameis Winston, Ryan Tannehill, and Josh Rosen. All three of which you have to decide if that is going to be your franchise quarterback going forward. Neither of them have made that very a very easy decision. Winston has been very up and down. You know, as good as he's been, he set a lot of passing records for the beginning of his career, but he hasn't been able to win too much. You have Ryan Tannehill, who is the same deal. He's he's won, he's been to the playoffs, he's led them to the playoffs, but at the same time, he's never got them any further, and he's really up and down. He's very, very very volatile. And then Josh Rosen, who they just took last year, but he wasn't very impressive. And so, he didn't really grow too much throughout the season, in my opinion, either. He, no, a lot I of these other rookie quarterbacks, you saw them improve as the season goes on, kind of pick up to the pace of the game. And I just didn't see that with Josh Rosen. Of course, the situation was not favorable for him to flourish in, but you would like to see a little bit more development in your rookie quarterback. Oh, absolutely. And so basically with the three of them, to sum them up. I like on Tampa, though. On top, of, on top of the quarterback position not being too strong and you having a question about the quarterbacks in your own room, it doesn't look the t- like... It doesn't look like the talent's going to be available in this draft. It looks like it's going to be a down year for quarterbacks. Haskins looks like the number one prospect, and honestly, I'm questionable if he can if he can correlate that to the NFL game. We've also we've seen a lot of quarterbacks struggle with that as of recently, and I don't I'm not sure. I'm not going to say he can't, but it's definitely not as solidified as 
say, a la Andrew Luck, who when he was coming out, you were very confident that his game could translate mm-hmm. To an NFL program. Definitely some situations that are going to be very interesting to see how they play out, and we're going to keep on giving you up to the minute coverage. So, again, make sure you're following us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Football MD Pod to get those updates as soon as we get that information. We'll get that right out to you guys. But we do have four matchups this weekend to get to here. I know that's why you guys are all here, so we're going to hop right into those, starting with the Indianapolis Colts heading to Houston to play the Texans. These are two AFC South teams. They've already played twice this season. The Texans took the first one 37 to 34 in overtime, and the Colts took the second one in early December 24 to 21. Both of these wins actually came on the road so now they're playing in Houston it'll be interesting to see how this all plays out. The Colts are coming in red hot winning nine of their last ten and I think the key for them to win this one is their offensive line obviously the worst unit in the NFL last year. They're now the best unit in the NFL allowing just 18 sacks on the season but this week they'll be going up against J.J. Watt and Jadavion Clowney who if the Texans can get pressure on Andrew Luck with just those two guys they'll be able to drop more guys back into coverage play Max coverage and that's going to be a problem especially if T.Y. Hillen's dealing with a hampered ankle so I think it'll be crucial for the Colts to protect Andrew Luck and force the Texans to move more guys up front and try to put pressure on Andrew Luck that way and for the Texans the main thing for them is protecting Deshaun Watson he's taken 62 sacks this season that's the most in the NFL and that's going to really stop him from being able to exploit the Colts secondary that's the weakness on their defense they've allowed the 16th most passing yards since their week nine bye and of course with DeAndre Hopkins he's playing with the number one wide receiver in the NFL right now that's an area of the field they're going to have to exploit great job by my co-host Mike breaking that game down I couldn't agree more with the key matchups in that game is definitely going to be in the trenches that's usually how playoff football really breaks down and to me the one single matchup that I'm going to highlight is that Indianapolis offensive line against the Houston defensive front led by J.J. Watt and Jadavion Clowney you talked about it a little bit And I just want to mention that the Colts, you know, that offensive line really did go from the very worst in the league last year to the very best in the league this year as far as letting up sacks is concerned. And that really allowed Andrew Luck to take advantage of of the time he was given. And although both teams, to me, are pretty evenly matched, they both have really good defenses and they both have good offenses led by prolific quarterbacks, Deshaun Watson and Andrew Luck. They might get it done in different ways. Both of them really can amaze you in any given game. And I do think at home that Jadavion Clowney and J.J. Watt might be able to disrupt that offensive line just a little bit, at least enough so to get the victory at home. You talked about how both teams won close games on the road this year, and I just don't see that happening now. The Houston Texans, I do believe, will win this game at home in a in a close game. That being said, just a couple of notes that I have. The Texans, because I do think they do have a little bit more of a veteran presence, a little bit more experience, that's going to give them the win. But for the Colts, man, you got to be happy with this season. I know it's, you know, there's no losing's losing, and if you don't get the win, that's all that matters. But at the same time, getting Andrew Luck back was victory enough for this franchise this year. Adding coach Frank Reich, who looked amazing as his first year as a head coach. And then not only that, to make it to the playoffs and have the offensive line go from very the very worst to the very best. And then on the defensive side of the ball, Leonard breaking out. And there's a ton of young talent on that side of the ball with Hooker, Torre, and, and Quincy Wilson. So the future is very bright for the Indianapolis Colts. I do just see the Texans squeaking it out at home in this one. You're obviously going to disagree. Yeah, and I'm, I really did try to be as unbiased as possible, but 
I got to pull with the Colts in this one. I do think it's going to be a close game playing in Houston. And I honestly wouldn't be surprised if it went either way. If the Houstons do take this one, they're a good team. And like you said, the Colts, I'm just very happy for the future of the franchise, seeing the way that they were able to perform this year and come back after starting 1-5. I was I was ready to pack it in after that. I was like, oh, you know, we're going to get another high pick and we're going to start, you know, get some more talent on the roster. But no, they, you know, they stuck it out. So that's always something you like to see from your team and make a playoff run. But with that being said, I do think the Colts are going to take this one. And the second game in primetime on Saturday night is the Seahawks traveling to Dallas to take on the Cowboys. And this is another game that, although I do think Seattle's a little bit more talented, what's interesting and intriguing to me about this game are the teams are built in the exact same way. They are built, both of them, with two great defenses right now and two very strong run games. Now, if you want to compare the quarterbacks, obviously Russell Wilson's going to take that one. But Seattle is the number one number one in rushing yards per game and top 10 in scoring defense. That's how they win. They win by running the football, pounding the rock, and playing good defense, even as good as Russell Wilson is. So I don't think that you're going to be looking at that quarterback comparison in this game to really, really make the, the, the big difference. The big difference to me is going to be just that. Who controls the clock more? Who plays a little bit of a better defense? Top five in rushing are the Cowboys and top five in scoring defense. So a little bit better on the defensive side of the ball. Not as good in the running game. But overall, like I said, the two teams are built the exact same way. They're going to try to grind out the clock, control time. And in my opinion, at home, I'm going to go with the home team again, and that's going to be Dallas. I do think they squeak this one out. I don't consider them serious contenders for the Super Bowl going forward, but that's always the benefit of winning your division is the one home game, and I do think they'll steal that one. Although Seattle definitely, you know, with Russell Wilson, he'll you'll never be surprised, but I definitely think Dallas pulls this one out at home. Yeah, and this is another game where I end up on the other side of the ball here. I do like Seattle on this one. I think the key to them winning this game is going to be efficiency, which they've displayed all season long. Their offense has allowed a league low 11 turnovers, but they're top 10 in the NFL in takeaways with 26. And Russell Wilson has basically been the definition of efficiency this season. He has 35 touchdowns, which is tied for third most in the league, despite being 20th in pass attempts. He's been insanely efficient. The Seahawks have found a way to get more out of Wilson by using him less and it's been working for them so far and of course Chris Carson he's really come on he's been able to run the ball I'm not saying he'll be able to keep up with Ezekiel Elliott's rushing production who's actually led the league in yards from scrimmage between weeks 10 and 16 so he's of course just been lights out and the only note that I have for the Seahawks that makes me a little bit concerned about their success in this game is they've only beaten three teams with winning records all season long. So I do think they're a good team. They play extremely efficient, but they have not had much success against good teams this year. So of course, that's an issue once you get to the playoffs. Yes, and I told you that I don't see the quarterback position really being the difference maker because obviously if that's the case, you give that edge to the Seattle Seahawks. But just in my opinion, if you go position by position, Running back, Zeke's going to take that. If you're going to go top-tier wide receiver right now, I'm going to take Amari Cooper over Doug Baldwin. If if you go to the offensive line, I'm going to give that. Although Dallas, not as good as they've been in your past, I'm still going to say that they have the better offensive line yeah. unit. On the defensive side of the ball, the defensive backs are definitely better in Dallas between Byron Jones, Ouse, and Brown. And then the linebackers is the one position I would have to give, although you have Jalen Smith and Vander Esch, you would have to give the linebacker position 
to the Seattle Seahawks. They have Bobby Wagner, the very best linebacker in the NFL for probably the past three or four years running. He had 130 tackles this season with not a single missed tackle attempt, not a single one all season. That means if he is trying to take you down, you are going down. So even though you have a ton of talent on the Cowboys side of the ball in that position, still give it to you know the one stud that Seattle has, Bobby Wagner, give him the respect he deserves. But then up front, Demarcus Lawrence, he's the most, uh, most effective pass rusher. Malik Collins is a big boy in the middle. I do think that they have the most impre more impressive defensive front. So position position by position, I think you got to give it to Dallas. But you know there is always that X factor, the quarterback position that could win Seattle the game. Home field advantage for Dallas once again. Sticking to the sticking to the Dallas Cowboys on that one. Yeah, and I feel like we're kind of each feeding into each other's arguments for either team a little bit right now. But but I do think that a big key for Dallas to walk away for, with the win in this one is you mentioned Van Der Esch and Jalen Smith and the Seattle Seahawks offensive line is dealing with a ton of injuries right now and they weren't even very good to begin with. So I do think that if Van Der Esch and Jalen Smith can limit Russell Wilson's rushing ability, make him stay in the pocket and have to throw to Doug Baldwin and Tyler Lockett. I think that's not a favorable situation for the Seahawks to have to deal with in this one. And our first matchup on Sunday is the Chargers traveling to Baltimore to take on the Ravens. And with these two teams, you have a pretty balanced Chargers team against a Ravens team that is heavily, heavily reliant on the defensive side of the ball. They are second second in rushing yards per game on the offensive side of the ball, but they are number one in yards per game allowed, top five in passing yards per game, and and in rushing yards per game allowed, and number two in total scoring defense. So this defense is dominant. They're probably the best unit in the NFL, and they say that defense wins championships. I'm sorry, ladies and gentlemen, this is just the ex exception to the rule. I do have the Chargers winning this game based off the fact that they're just a more balanced team. And on the offensive side of the ball, I do think Phillip Rivers is going to give them the edge over Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson I have not been impressed with as a passer. I'm not saying he doesn't have the opportunity to turn that around and change that you know, stigma of he's a run-first type of quarterback and he doesn't really make the type of throws an NFL quarterback has to make. But we know Phillip Rivers can, and they have a good defense. They're top 10 in the total scoring defense and they're top five in total points per game on the offense side of the ball so like i said just a balanced team they got playmakers all over the field as long as you know melvin gordon keenan allen everyone's suiting up ready to play they have a good offensive line unit i don't see why this team can't be a serious serious competitor in this afc playoff picture they beat the chiefs as good as the chiefs have been this season and in any other division, they probably would have won. They just happened to be behind the Chiefs with that amazing record this year. So the Chargers, don't take them lightly just because they're playing on wildcard weekend as an underdog. They are one of the better teams in the NFL. I do think they get past a rookie quarterback in uh, Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens. Yeah, and I'm actually taking your side on this one, so give me a high five on that, baby. <laughs> Yeah, I'm going with the Chargers in this one. And before I get into why I think the Chargers are going to take this one, I will say that the Ravens, they've 
played very well. They're 6-1 and one since Lamar Jackson has taken over as the starter, and their only loss was to the Kansas City Chiefs, who you just spoke about, and that was an overtime. So this has been a very good team, but Lamar Jackson just has such a long way to go as a passer, in my opinion. He's thrown just six touchdowns to three interceptions on the season, but they've been, like you said, one of the most run-heavy teams in the NFL, and since Jackson took over, they have 165 pass attempts, but 316 rushing attempts. So obviously, they're extremely one-dimensional. It's going to be crucial for the Chargers to be able to shut down the run, and I think they'll be able to control this game. In their last meeting, which the Ravens won 22-10, to 10, that was just in week 16. Phillip Rivers threw for under 200 yards. Melvin Gordon rushed for under 50 yards and Keenan Allen had just 58 yards receiving. I don't think that happens again. This is such a high-powered offense. I know the Ravens defense is great, but I just don't think that you can slow down the Chargers offense two times in such a short period and I think they're going to be able to, you know, do what the Chargers do. This is a veteran quarterback, Philip Rivers. This is one of his last chances to make a run and I don't think he's going to let a rookie quarterback get in the way of that. I couldn't agree more, and like you said, with a team that's so reliant on not only the defense, but then on the offensive side of the ball, the run game, where if the Chargers can get out and head, where we know they can be explosive and score points early and really kind of make it difficult on you, that's going to be a difficult position for the Ravens. They're not really built to play from behind. They're not really built to throw the ball. That's not what they're built to do. So the Chargers, real simple game plan, come out fast and furious for them, come out swinging, Come out hot and make sure that you get points on the board early. If, and if the Chargers can do that, they can take that. Uh, they can take that lead and uh, really at least win their wild card weekend game this week. So what I actually wouldn't be surprised though if the Chargers did is come out with a bit more of a conservative game plan and really try and get the run going through Melvin Gordon because I think coming out too hot against. The Ravens, they have a very strong secondary trying to force the ball to Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, Terrell Williams. I think that's almost playing into the Ravens' hand in a way. I think that that can also put you in a hole if things don't go your way. So I think maybe playing a little bit more conservative and, like I said, getting that run game going and just dominating the game, I think. The only, be... pro the only problem I do see with that is the fact that if you are relying on the run game, you're going to wor be working the clock. You're not going to be scoring as much points because you're not going to be scoring as quickly as the passing game allows you to score. And that plays right into what the Ravens do want. Because yeah. then they, on the other side of the ball, can take their time. There's no pressure for them to put up a lot of points. They can work the clock as well. And then what you end up having is two drives in the, fourth, for, in the entire first quarter if they both go for, you know, ten plays, you know, seven minutes, eight minutes apiece, and a touchdown or a field goal each, you're looking at a 7-7, seven, 7-3 seven, seven, game with going into the second quarter. That's exactly what you want from the Baltimore side of the field. You outmatch them on the outside of the ball, uh, on the offensive side of the ball, the Chargers do. So I think you got to take advantage of that. We're on the same page as far as who we think win. We just don't really necessarily agree on how they get there. Yeah, but. I do think there has to be a balance about how they come out offensively. I don't think they want to step on the gas, you know, pedal to the metal. I think they want to be a little bit more conservative, make sure they can get the run game going. But I do get what you're saying, especially since the Chargers, they've been slow starters as of late. So this is 100%. We know that the Ravens aren't a team that's built to play from behind, but they're 100% not a team that you want to play from behind against. So they have to really find that balance here. I, I definitely agree with that. You can't you can't really fall behind. They'll grind the clock. They'll make it difficult for you to make that comeback. They're good at holding leads. They got a strong defense. But like you said, Philip Rivers, I don't think he's going to let this opportunity pass up on him. You script, you know, your first two drives probably in this game, and you just count on Philip Rivers to at least not throw an interception, create, make a turnover that will put you in that hole. But you gotta, in my opinion, let him fire. 
as good as Melvin Gordon is, as good as the offensive line is, as good as Keenan Allen is, Phillip Rivers deserves this more than anybody. I'm sure he's going to be just as hungry as any player to play in a playoff game in the history of the NFL. I Wait, can't is, see him not being. And is Hunter Henry back? Hunter Henry, I do believe he's back. I think I Hunter Henry's back. back. I do believe he's so back. this could be extremely interesting. I wouldn't, if you're playing daily fantasy still or anything like that, don't think that Hunter Henry is the guy to just put into your lineups right now. But that's 100%. But don't not think that he's not the guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course. I mean, Hunter Henry, he was going back to fantasy coming into the season. I think both of us had him as top five, not top three options. So yeah. we both, I know we're both very big on Hunter Henry. So that's just going to be something exciting to watch. Not something that I want to yeah. invest any of my stock into for uh, betting purposes. But 100%, it's going to be exciting to see Hunter Henry back on the field. And in my opinion, it's something to watch. Definitely it's also on the, on the Chargers, but on a different side of the ball. Got to keep an eye on Joey Bosa. He can really disrupt the game, and, and if he can get to Lamar Jackson, he's definitely fast enough where he can honestly run him down and keep pace with him. So if he's able to do that, he's going to make it very difficult for not only Lamar Jackson to throw the ball and have time to do so, but to even run. He can, he can really make a huge impact in this game, Joey Bosa, and I think he does. I think he's the difference maker in this week and for our final game of wild card weekend here we have the philadelphia eagles playing the chicago bears and this is just an interesting game because i didn't expect the eagles to even be in this position but good for them to finish the regular season strong with nick Foles at the helm however i don't think that they'll be able to do enough against the best defense in football although nick Foles, he is four and one as the starter i know he's actually dealing with some injuries right now so i don't even know at the time of recording, what his status is going to be going into this matchup. So obviously, their best chance of winning at this point is with Mick Foles. He has a clear rapport with wide receiver Alshon Jeffrey. Then, of course, combined with Zach Ertz and Dallas Goddard, who's been pretty serviceable at the tight end position. Then, of course, Darren Sproles back in the lineup gives them a pretty dynamic option on third down. So, this offense, it really does seem to be clicking with Nick Foles. So, hopefully, he is healthy and ready to go to give them the best chance of winning. And even their defense has looked a little bit better as of late. Michael Bennett, he's really just been a force for that team, but I just don't think it's going to be enough to stop the Chicago Bears. I think the big key for them is going to be Mitchell Trubisky to make plays in the passing game, really exploit the Eagles' banged-up secondary, and I think as long as he can do that, the Chicago Bears' defense is going to do enough to slow down the Eagles and make this an easy win for the Bears. And this is another game where we are on the same page. Oh, we love the NFC. What's up? What's up, big dog? So, yeah, we definitely... We definitely agree on this one. The Bears taking this one at home. And, you know, I, it's not that I don't believe in the Eagles. I don't think the Eagles are going to be an easy game for any team. They do have a lot of good playmakers on the team, especially on the defensive side of the ball. They're experienced, obviously. They just went through it last year, being the reigning Super Bowl champs. But this is not the same year. I don't think they're as good as they were last year. Nick Foles isn't as impressive. Although I do think, you know, he does give you an opportunity to win. And honestly, if they were playing the Packers, if they were playing a lot of the teams that made it as like the Rams with Goff, and you're not going to give Foles the edge at the quarterback position in a quarterback comparison. But against Mitchell Trubisky as a passer, I would give Foles the edge. He Don't forget, he does have a Super Bowl MVP and a Super Bowl ring. Trubisky is he not the most... for some reason just comes on in the yeah. postseason. It takes him about 15 to 16 weeks to warm up. But <laughs> <laughs> the dude's pretty warm yeah. <laughs> once he gets so, going. No, no doubt, I don't think it's going to be an easy game because it is playoff football. I do think the Eagles are talented, but... They got the luxury of playing at home in the playoffs last year. They'll be on the road this year. Chicago's not an easy place to go and play. And it's been a long time since that Chicago Bears team has been 
in the playoffs, but they have a strong, strong fandom. They have a strong organization, and I do believe that they'll have the difference maker in the stands, the home field advantage, to really bring home that victory. Obviously, you know, you talked about it. They're the number one defense. They got Khalil Mack making plays. They got uh, defensive backs, Eddie Jackson, Prince of Mugamora, all of them making plays. Fuller's making plays. And then on the offensive side of the ball, Matt Nagy seems to have them drawing up perfect plays, perfect game plans each and every week. You know, it might not always be pretty, but they continuously get it done. And I do think they ride that momentum as, you know, the three seed, the top seed in the wildcard weekend. I do think, you know, they pull this win out. And then we'll be looking at a much tougher matchup next week against the Rams in LA. And that is all we have for you today. We really appreciate you guys tuning in as always. As a reminder, make sure you keep tuning in. We know fantasy football is done and the season is quickly and the end of the postseason is even quickly approaching, but we will continue to give you top level football content all year round. We'll be covering the playoffs. We'll be covering the Super Bowl. We'll be covering the draft, free agency, trades, anything you can think of. We will be on top of it. All the breaking news in the NFL. We want to bring that to you, bring you not only that information, but why it's relevant, what, why you need to know it for either your team, for your fantasy season next year. Um, we'll be coming out with way too early rankings soon enough, so keep an eye out for those. We always appreciate you guys. Check out our Instagram, check out our Facebook, and our Twitter at FootballMDPod. Visit our website at FootballMDPodcast.com, where I will be updating our player spotlight page this is going to be something that we are going to plan to do every offseason where i will be informing you guys on the top tier players coming into the nfl what you can look forward to when they get there how they're going to perform what their strengths and weaknesses are and where they're most likely going to fit in fit in schematically in the nfl yeah i mean my co-host dan he basically covered everything for you guys right there but just to add on to that if you guys are like us as soon as the football season ends you're already itching for next season to start right back up we're the same exact way and we're going to be making sure that we are bringing content to you guys every single week that you find valuable that you find interesting that just makes the offseason a little bit more bearable so make sure that you're sticking with us like my co-host said at football MD Pod on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. We're going to continue bringing interesting stats throughout the offseason to give you insights coming up for the following year. Dan's going to be doing the player profiles that are going to be, I already know they're going to be amazing when you hear the insights that this guy has on players coming out of drafts. So we have a ton of awesome content coming for you guys. So make sure that you're staying up to date with that. And I can't wait to, you know, just be with you guys throughout the offseason and keep bringing out the football information and, you know, talking football with one of my best friends here. So thank you guys for sticking with us until and, this point. And I couldn't agree more. As exciting as, you know, what we have planned for the near future and to the future is as is very exciting. As exciting as it is, though, don't forget, we still have playoff football. Oh, the yeah. season is not over yet. My co-host Mike here still has his Indianapolis Colts in the race. So very exciting time for him Woo-woo. and uh, and all playoff teams. You know, the playoffs is really, it's a whole new season. As, as you know, we talk about the Eagles not having the best position coming into the playoffs because they're on the road, their team has injuries, you know, they're not as good as they once were. But the one thing that's great about the playoffs, the one thing that's great about the NFL is it's not a five-game series, it's not a seven-game series. It is one game, winner takes all, and any given Saturday or Sunday, <laughs> that team, any team, 
can take a victory. So it's a beautiful thing about football. It's a whole new season. Every team is 0-0 zero and zero right now. And every team left standing still has a shot at that su Super Bowl championship. And we're going to be here every step of the way to provide coverage as the entire postseason, offseason, etc. unfolds. But I can't say it enough. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Until next time, guys.